this is your first time listening to the Iron Woman podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are a recurring listener, welcome back. You are listening to the Iron Woman podcast. I'm so excited to have Emmanuel Apiafi, who's going to speak to us today about the role of a man in today's society. Have a listen. So tell us a bit about yourself, Emmanuel, for those who are hearing you for the very first time. Great. Thank you, Marinika, for having me on. Um, my name is Emmanuel Apiafi. I lead um, a church called Nations Call London in the heart of London with my wife, Angela. Um, we are a growing church. We started in September of last year. But we originally started in 2018 with sort of prayer meetings and just gathering people together. So we are a growing church and our, our very core uh, our vision is discipling nations and we believe every individual is a nation so um, that's sort of our vision uh, to disciple people uh, into what God wants them to be for their lives. That's amazing to hear and um, Mm. we've obviously got you today for a very special episode for International Men's Day. I'm really excited to speak with you about one of the questions that Mm. I kind of wanted to ask you and you know just kind of get your take on is what mm. do you believe a man's role is in, to te- in today's society? What do you believe a man's mm. role is in today's society? Now, I mean, this is one <laughs> topic that you can define in so many ways. But, you know, obviously, we, we as Christians and children of God, we want to look at it from God's point of view. And uh, in the very beginning, uh, God himself said in Genesis 1, he said, uh, he said, let us create man in our image and our likeness. So whenever you want to find out who man is, you have to look at who created him. Because he didn't create the image, the animals, and every other creation in his likeness. But he says, no, I'm going to create this one in my image and likeness. So that means there is a lot of familiarity between God and between man. So God is supposed to be like the child. Sorry, man is supposed to be like the child of God. You see. So I would like to sort of take a little definition from that. And I was sort of preparing for this podcast and I felt like God just threw something to me. He said, a man uh, role in a society is four things. And I was like, whoa, okay, let's go through it. And the first thing he said to me, a man's role is first of all to be a son. A man has to be a son. If not, he will not be able to fit in society properly. That means if he's not a son, he wouldn't have learned submission. A man is a son so he could learn submission. Even, uh, you know, if you know about the story of Jesus, the Bible talks about how Jesus uh, was left behind in Jerusalem when they went for the feast and he was discussing people in the temple and his parents came looking for him. When they found him, the Bible says he followed them and he was subject to them. So even Jesus that was God, when he came on the earth, he had to follow the rule of sonship. He knew all things. Look, in fact, the people say, how could this boy, 12-year-old, know so much? He had so much knowledge, yet he chose to follow the structure that God put on the earth. And one of the structure is a man must first of all be a son. And that is why he's born into a family, for a mother to nurture him, a mother to love him, a mother to raise him and teach him, and a father to be there to teach him to understand responsibility, to understand uh, what life is all about how to treat people, how to care for people. So if you want to talk about a man in society, who he is, this must be a man that first of all has been through home training. 
The second thing God uh, was, 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 I felt he was telling me was, a man has to be a brother. A man has to be a brother because if a man is not a brother, he wouldn't understand accountability. Yes, he is a son, so he understands accountability to authority. But this time he has to understand accountability to his contemporaries. So people on the same level with him. It's very important that uh, some people may say to me, okay, but pastor, I don't have uh, a brother or so to say a sister for me to be a brother. But look, that's why we, have, we go to school. That's why we are in a community. As human beings, we are uh, communal beings. We, we, we communicate with a community. We live in a community. Even if you live alone, you have neighbors. <laughs> so nobody is really, really actually alone. So as long as you have a community of people, that makes you a brother. That makes a man a brother. And he has to be accountable with that community. There must be communication. A man has to be accountable to his brotherhood. I was raised with two brothers. I had, I had, we're all three in my family, three men, three guys in my family. We're seven all together. But I was raised with two brothers. And a lot of things I learned, Moronike, was from my elder brother. I learned the good, the bad, and the ugly from him. <laughs> in fact, back in the day when we lived in sin, I learned to chase women from him. But at the same time, when, God, when I got saved, I had a new set of brotherhood. Christian brothers who taught me to, when we went to cell meetings, we sat down together, we did Bible study, we are accountable. When we're going into relationships, we're able to talk to each other and challenge each other, check on each other to make sure no one was stepping out of line. You know, that was the second thing. I think the third thing was, when you're a son, you have understood brotherhood. Now you can become a husband. This is one of the most important roles in the life of a man. And if we understand manhood from the structure of sonship, brotherhood, and husband, the society would have much more responsible men. Men with better understanding. You know, when you've been to submission, you've been to authority, submitting to authority, now you'll understand from a good mother how to treat a, good, a woman. Because today the dysfunctionality in society is so bad that dysfunction has become true manhood. I don't know if I'm making sense. That's, that's so good what you just said. Dysfunction has mm. become true manhood. And I think it's that's so bad. what we're seeing today. Yeah. In fact, I was watching a documentary about the recent issues going on in India, how uh, I think a woman got raped and she was left to die, but she, she survived somehow. She was taken to the hospital. Do you know when the press people went out to interview men about the whole thing? Do you know what they were saying? Oh, it's about how she dressed. It's about this. It's about that. You know, they had such a very, very bad idea of who a woman was. And do you know what? They asked one of the guys, how about if it's your sister? And he changed. He said the exact opposite. Because all of a sudden, once that issue came home, his idea of a woman changed. Because now he's seen somebody he loves. You see that? Now he's seen somebody he cherishes. So he doesn't want her to be raped. Oh, no, no. She shouldn't rape. And oh, he had the exact opinion about it. Oh, my sister wouldn't dress that way. But what if she dresses that way? Would you like her to be... The same thing, Dr. Oh, he said, oh, no. And all of a sudden, we realized that the society has raised dysfunctional men. Wow. Because that's why there's so many divorces today. That is why we see, because there are men that didn't understand how to treat a woman. 
There were men that didn't understand how to be a brother, how to be accountable, how to have people, contemporaries to challenge you. And being a husband is so important today. Being a husband is so key. Respecting a woman, loving a woman, taking care of her. That's what a true mother teaches us to know as a man. The fourth one I was going to share is, maybe I would have dropped a few things about being a husband, being a husband now for about 10 months. You know, one of the things I'll say about being a husband is sacrifice. You must be able to sacrifice your time, sacrifice, uh, 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 you know, just bearing with your partner. You know, my wife has weaknesses, weaknesses that I bear with, and I don't even care. In fact, sometimes she says to me, she says, oh, how is it that you don't even bother when I do this? I'm like, what is that? To me, it doesn't even mean anything. You <laughs> see, and I think that's so amazing how God brought us together because he, he designed me not to care about those kind of things. And I think that's the same thing happens to me as well. She's a very patient woman with me. She's been very patient about setting things in the home. She's, oh, baby, can you do this for me? And I, oh, I'll get you done. And then I forget, and I'm doing stuff on, the, on, on my sister. I'm walking in. Oh, have you done it? I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. You know, and I go and do it, and she's patient with me. And I think that's what it means to be a husband, bear with one another, able to love. Like the Bible says, men, love your wife. So that's very important. The fourth thing I was sure about the role of a man is to be a father. You see, Marilyn, one thing I've learned is men who are fathers are different from most single men. I'm not saying they're not great single men. God forbid, they are very amazing. I, I know a lot of them are my very close friends who are single, amazing guys, great men of God. But you see, men who are fathers have come to a different stage of their lives where they've learned responsibility. You know, uh, Paul writes something in Galatians, I think from chapter one, sorry, Galatians chapter four. If you read from verse one, he says something like this. He says, a child as long as an heir, sorry, as long as it's a child, the Bible says he doesn't differ from the servant. But that child, as long as he owns everything the father owns, he remains under the tutelage of tutors until the father says he's mature enough to handle the wealth, to handle the inheritance of the family. Until that time, the father approves it, he remains under tutelage. So this is very important that a father is one that has learned to be a son, that has learned to be uh, a brother, a husband, and now has a, as a father. Now, sometimes you can say, oh boy, you know, I don't have biological children. Yeah, I have a lot of spiritual children. I have spiritual children in my church, all around the world. People I train, I teach, I guide all over the world. Sometimes over FaceTime, over uh, you know, WhatsApp calls. I've trained them for years. I see them, they call me dad. <laughs> Most of them are even older than me. <laughs> that's, so, that, that's the idea of being a father. One of the core things of being a man, when you, when you pass through the stages, you understand responsibility. A man must take responsibility. That's what Paul says. He says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Childishness is lack of responsibility. I mean, Meredith, I'm sure you must have been a youth like me. When we were at our teenage days, we just thought we, were, we made it. We yeah. thought we were the most <laughs> mature. We don't want to bear responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility for our actions. Yeah. You see, but so I'm sorry to say many men that are, that are supposed to be mature in their 30s are still acting like teenagers. 
so I have a question here, Manuel. Go for it. Uh, yeah. Two questions. What would you advise for men who have not grown up with a father in the household? Ooh. How do they go Absolutely. about learning this? And second of all, you did mention, you know, yeah. there are some men who may be older and you would feel that they yeah. would be more mature, but they're still in their childish ways. And yeah. maybe sometimes that comes from a selfish point of view where it's like, yeah. I just want to be my own person. I don't want to have yeah. that responsibility. And I feel sometimes when I speak to some men, the pressures mm. of what, is required from a man in general mm. can make one feel like I just want to remain a child because this is too mm. much. So I guess mm. the first question, what would your advice be to men who have grown up without a father? And secondly, yeah. for those who see the responsibility as a lot of pressure, mm. remaining childish can sometimes be a selfish decision so that they don't have to take on the responsibility that is required from being a man. Mm. Mm, so good. Such an amazing question. The first thing is that really and truly no man is without a father. Now, what do I mean by that? Yes, your biological father may not be there, but we have God Almighty, who is our father, our creator. And obviously, I'm talking to Christians today. I'm sure whoever listens to this postcard that doesn't know the Lord, uh, you can find a journey to knowing the fatherhood of God. And that's something that I encourage you to study, to find about the fatherhood of God. You know, the Bible talks about the word father as source. You know, when you understand, coming to understand that God who created us is our ultimate father. You know, Maranica, there are also men who went through homes, their fathers were totally dysfunctional. I'm talking about men who their father was there, but they're never present. So the, some people say they had a, 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 a father, but didn't have a daddy. <laughs> they would say it that way. And obviously men who didn't, were not raised with their fathers, who their mothers had to be the father and the mother at the same time. You know, what I can tell you is there is still a room to find in yourself. And one of those rooms is looking for a mentor. Looking for a mentor is something you have to desire. And you have to be open to correction. You have to be open to somebody guiding and directing you. You see, I have a mentor who is like my father. I actually call him dad my spiritual father. So there are things I can talk to him that I actually cannot talk to my biological father because I don't have that kind of relationship with my biological father. Although my biological father is a great guy and I love him, he's a great man, he raised me well, but he didn't have, he couldn't get to my emotions on certain levels. So he didn't build that trust with me. But I found that in my journey, I had to seek for mentors, older men, responsible men that had families that understood what life was all about. So I sought for them and, I, and God gave me a couple of them in my life who I called, who, who I, I reach out to for guidance, for leading. And this is sort of how you can find that fatherhood you're looking for. Number one, it comes from God the Father. Number two, there are mentors out there you can reach out to. Maybe you can say, okay, you know what? I'm looking for a mentor in the field I am in. You can say, you know, I want to look for like Christian men. I can say, okay, if you're in the IT department, if you're a lawyer, you can say, okay, I'll look for a, a lawyer that's like a father figure who's a Christian, who can mentor me in the area of my sphere of influence. Some people say, oh, my pastor is like a father. So in different ways, some people say, oh, my cell leader, the man who's in charge is like a father figure in my life. So for you, it depends on where you are. You can find one that can teach you, someone you can talk to, someone you can cry to. 
someone you can trust because that is what a man needs. A man just needs somebody who he can trust, someone who he can poise out, out, out to. Because a man expresses his emotions very differently from a woman. And sometimes a man's emotion, it's not being expressed. And that leads me to your second question. Is that is why a lot of men have stayed as children. Because they're afraid of expressing what they really feel. They're afraid of being authentic. Because they have been taught that being authentic is being weak. So when they say to you, when you say, hey, you wronged that lady, you should have said sorry to her. Oh, no, I did what I did. I'm a man. So they think mistreating a woman is being macho because he has not understood what it's all about. Maybe his father abused him. Maybe his mother abused him. And because of that, he wants to repay any woman he sees with that same abuse. There's something they say, hurt people, hurt people. So the cycle continues. So he remains, though he's 35, going to 40, he's acting like a 15-year-old boy or a 16-year-old boy because he has not yet expressed what's really going in. He's not really been able to pour it out. You see, so he's stuck <laughs> in, the, in the mind of a 15-year-old. Though his age has gone ahead of him, his mind stays there because his mind's been trapped in that place of, Lack of authenticity. So yeah, that's that, one of the things. That's so good. Um, mm. I think you touched on some really key points there. I have a question yeah. um, on the mental situation. And this is just yep. from people who I know who have experienced this, where let's say yep. there have been some men who have been let down by men church leaders. Um, yeah. it's, they've been mentored and then further down the line, the mentorship kind of became more like a dictatorship. Like, you know, mm. you need to go down the path I've called you to go down rather than what God has said. And in the moment the, the man then says, actually, this is not for me, they get contacted mm. by a church leader or they kind of get um, told they're being rebellious. And, and sometimes that does scar men within the church where, you know, they don't feel like they can open up to a, another man as a mentor within the church. For, for, for a guy who's been through that experience, what would your advice be? Because church hurt is very painful, you know, especially oh. when you experience it for the very first time because it's yeah. not expected. It's the least place you expect yeah. to experience yeah. hurt. But for some men who have been mentored by people, by men within the church, and yeah. they've been disappointed and they've now closed off from open up to someone else, what would your advice be? You know, being a pastor today, I've, I've, I've been able, been privileged to help a lot of people who came out of church hurt. I mean, serious church hurt. I'm talking of sexual abuse. I'm talking of, of spiritual abuse as well, emotional abuse. So uh, this is something I hold very dear in my heart. My, me, myself, I have been spiritually abused, not sexually or any other thing abused by the church. I have been spiritually abused where a spiritual leader had spoken words over my life that I knew were not of God, uh, tried to, like you said, bully me into their ways of things, trying to shape me into be what they wanted me to be and what God wanted me to be. You know, one of the things that I had to learn personally from my experience was forgiveness. That is one of the first things that God's going to do to you is to help you forgive. Until you can forgive your abusers or people who oppress you, you will never truly come out of that oppression. Though you may be geographically separated from them, you will still stay under that 
your mind needs the healing. You see, forgiveness is not for the other person's sake. It's for your own sake. You see, one of the best ways to, to heal mentally, to start your mental healing journey, is to learn about forgiveness. And I can tell you that forgiveness, I can sit here and say to you, forgiveness this is going to happen one day, snap. <laughs> no way. Forgiveness is a journey that you have to go on. You have to embark on. You have to take it one day at a time. And one thing again, you have to talk about it. Men, talk about it. I had a guy who came out of the church with heavy abuse. I'm talking heavy abuse. And anytime he talked to me and he was telling me about it, I knew he was hurting. And I said, hey, bro, I think you're going to need a counselor. I think you should sit down with somebody you trust and respect and get counsel about this. He said, oh, no, no, I don't need it. And tomorrow he'll call me and say the same thing again. And I realized the cycle continued. And I had to stop him at some point. I said, hey, hey, I love you. You're a great man. But at this point, I'll have to refer you to someone else. And I won't like to talk about this because I found out that he kept going in cycles because he wasn't willing to get help. And I know this is a problem with many men. Finding help is so difficult. Looking for a counselor. Some men say, oh, I'm fine. But when you actually come close to them, you see there's so much wounds from where they've been through. Lack of trust. People they trusted took that trust for granted, sort of betrayed them. And one thing I know about men, once you lose the trust of a man, it's so difficult to get it back. It's so difficult to get it back. That's one thing I know about men. So for me, one of them says, look through the journey of forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important. Healing, and I'll say separation. One of the ways to heal from church hurt is just to look for another church. Go away from that place. Move on to a new environment. Uh, research where you're going. Find out what they like to do. Because see, I've said to people, I said, church, there is no perfect church. And what I tell first-timers, Marinica, you don't believe this in that church is, see how our church is. If you don't think it's the right place for you, we're happy to help you find a good place for yourself. And people are like, Pastor, why would you say that? I'm saying that because, look, if they're not our sheep, we're going to maltreat them. We're going to do things that we think are okay and normal, but they're hurting because they don't have the understanding we have and we have to, to train and to love them. So church hurt is really a big thing today, Maronica. And I totally uh, I agree with you. And I really pray for men that will hear this recording, that you will find the journey of yourself. You will find who God has called you to be. You know, I, I find one of the things, Maronica, that I faced when I went to church hurt was, I got confused with my giftings. I lost my confidence. I lost literally who I was. I, I, I was struggling in my, and I was called into the prophetic office. You know, when I get words for people, I began to struggle if the words were true or not. That's because a leader had told me, you are not good enough. Your prophetic is not good enough. They had literally spiritually abused me. So I lost confidence in myself. And, and one of the things that helped me was walking my journey to gaining my confidence back. Believing in myself, walking on myself, you know, believing in myself again. Telling myself, you know, you're good enough. You know, it's okay. You're not here to please everybody. You're here to do what God has told you to do. So I sort of streamlined my vision away from what I felt people thought about me. What people said about me what people felt about me, to what does God feel about me? What does God say about me? So I began to focus on his perspective. And that is how 
my journey, it took me about two years to actually heal. And that's actually around the time we started our church. That's amazing. Um, mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah. one of the questions I have, which is for the women, how can women encourage men in their manhood? Because we're living mm. in a different society today. We are seeing that a lot of the roles maybe 50 years ago that a woman would be doing, it has changed. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, I'm not saying it's, it feels like the, the field is kind of being leveled with the men, mm. but a mm. lot of women are really taking on roles that you wouldn't expect 50 years ago. Um, and I, I, think, I think it's a great thing, but yeah. what I want to ask is, from a man's perspective, how can mm. women encourage mm. men to be men? What would you say you would love to see women doing? Mm. Amazing. Okay, one thing that I, I like to sort of just point out is that the only time God told a woman to submit to a man is in the, is in the confines of marriage. You know, and I think that this is sort of this tradition that a lot of societies has taken that has uh, sort of this mindset of a man being, uh, a woman being lesser than a man. That is not biblical. It's not of God. God didn't do anything. If you read in Genesis 1, uh, that he says, uh, he said, uh, and God uh, created man his own image and he blessed them. He blessed them. The Bible says he created them, he male and female. When he said man, he said male and female. And he's, that means what? He created them equal. You see, and he says, and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them. So, Renika, uh, you have no business submitting to a man who is not your husband. And you are in no way less than a man who is not your husband. Sorry to say that. Even your husband, you're less than him. You are not. In that marriage, he's only the leader. It's a responsibility. It's an office. It doesn't make him a super being and the wife a lesser being. God forbid. No such thing. <laughs> I'm loving this. So <laughs> I just want to clarify that. Thank so you. So that we can understand how to respect women. And women also understand their role, know who they are, have their confidence. Uh, I often say to women that men that are not your husband, you see them as brothers. All the men who are not your fathers you see them as like whichever environment you are you see them as some kind of fathers in that respect you are able to help the men around you when you understand what their roles are in your life sometimes christian women ask me oh but what do i do to this guy around me he's just trying i'm like find out why he's there ask him very clear questions are you interested in me if you're not we're sisters and brothers here <laughs> very important so one of the ways a woman can Really speaking to a man's life in the context of marriage is support. In marriage, a woman, a man needs the support of his wife. A man's ego would go to heaven. A man will feel like he's a man when his wife can tell him something like, oh, well done, darling. Well done, baby. Oh, you're so good. Even if she knows he didn't do it so well. Even if she knew out of the hundred, he was like 25%. But she's, she's, she's his hype man. Like he was 85 or 90. Because she wants him to improve. Because she doesn't want to kill his self-esteem. So she can constructively give him criticism in the place of with care and love and respect. Remember, Paul said in the Bible, he said to women to respect their husbands. So that is how you can communicate with a husband, with your husband. And that is what I think would help men, is when women show that true support, 
that comes with the right manner of communication. Because you see, men have egos. Two guys playing a video game. Men, we want to win. So when a woman comes in and she's trying to like challenge, we're going to fight back. We naturally take the posture of fighting back. But when she comes in that posture of, you know, stroking his head, telling him all the good things he wants to hear, then she gets him to where he's meant to be. And then he can listen to her. Now, that doesn't make the woman weak. But that's just the woman's strength. You see? Uh, and the woman being able to communicate her emotions most times better than the man means that God gave her that gift. And women, you can use that to transform our society. Women, if you're saying, I'm not married, how do I um, encourage the men around me? You can encourage them as brothers. You can encourage them with uh, words of affirmation, saying, hey, brother, you're doing well. You know, well done for that job. Well done for that interview. Well done for that thing. Well done for that uh, 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 speech they made. Something, whatever it is, they've done. You can share them up, you know. But, but it has to be done in a way that a man can accept it so that it doesn't trigger their ego. <laughs> so helpful, honestly, so helpful. Mm. My last mm. question, my last question yep. for you, and this has been amazing. Thank you so much. What do you believe God is saying for the men today during these times? What do you believe God is calling our men to do during these times? Oh boy. You know, when I read this question originally, one of the first things that came to my heart was responsibility. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. What does it mean? It means being proactive. It means don't procrastinate. Don't throw what you need to do tomorrow, today, tomorrow. Don't make it tomorrow. Do it today. Get it done. Get over with it. Move on to the next thing to be done. Clarify. One of the things I felt God was saying to men this season is understand the vision that he has given you. What is your vision? Find a vision for yourself. You know, this coronavirus has so brought a lot of confusion. This, this pandemic, uh, so many people lost their job. They're not sure about it. Some people got their identity from ministry and church. So now they're not going to church. They don't know what to do. They're not going to office. They don't know what to do. Because their identity, their true identity, uh, themselves, they've attached it to the things they do rather than who they really are. So I felt like God is actually calling men to find out for themselves who they really are, their true passion and true calling, the vision that not, not the one your church gave you, the one he gave you. When you find out that vision, you will even serve your church better. You serve your community better. Your family will be served better. Your wife will be loved better because now you know the boundaries of what you're not meant to do and what you're meant to do. But because you're serving on another man's vision, uh, sometimes the boundaries are mixed up. Sometimes they make you do, uh, uh, take the, go the extra mile and, and maybe your family suffers because of that. But sometimes when you understand, no, I, this is my set of rules. And I felt like God is calling men to have, to bring order into their lives. Order is very important in a man's life. A man without order will be so disorganized and scattered and his goal will be so far reached. You know, goals that could be so easy because of lack of order and planning, you'll find out that that goal that's so easy to accomplish would seem so far. 
You know, so these are some of the few things that I felt God was saying to us. And I felt like God was saying to a lot of men, it's time to heal. It's time to heal. It's time to heal. Stop um, um, refusing medication for that wound. Stop running away when you feel the pain. The pain is a signal that that place needs uh, some kind of a covering, some kind of a repair. You know, some, of, some men say, oh, you know, in this season, I don't want to find a wife. Like you said, the pressures of life, the pressures, oh, I'm, I don't have the right job. Maybe I'm not living in the right house. Who said, who said so? Who said you can't find a woman who, who you can build together with? You can split the rent. You can split the mortgage two ways. There's so many ways you can work it out. You, you don't have to conform to the norms of society. I felt that God is using this time to say, look, go back to the vision book. Go back to the dream book. I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but I felt like you have to go back to the dream book, the vision book, where you wrote those things down that you love to do. Begin to find out how can I, in those little steps, begin to do these things. One of the things I love to do, Maronica, I love to go on long walks. Oh, Lord, you can, you can book me 20 hours a day, I'll go on my walk. Because I love to walk, and that's how I think. And that's how I refresh my mind after walking and doing stuff. So find time to do what you love to do. Very important for guys. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Emmanuel, for your time. Honestly, I You're just welcome. feel so many people are going to be blessed by this episode. And, you know, mm. guys, if you want to um, follow Emmanuel, he's on Instagram at Emmanuel Apiafi. And yes. if you want to just share your Instagram handle for your church as well, just for anyone who's looking for a church to join. Yes, so it's, that's Nations Call London underscore. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I found that so helpful and super, super insightful. If you guys want to pass this message on to someone else and you feel that it may help them, feel free to. I hope you guys have a great week and take care.